Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to The Call here from uh, live from our Barangaroo studios. Great to have your company for the next hour or so as we take a look at 10 stocks sent in by you. I put the two, uh, two experts for their adjudication. We do it all in an hour. Today, delighted to have Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool joining us. Scott, good to have you aboard. Um, Thank you, And Mark Mullen from Team Invest, back from his travels visiting... Grandkids in America and sitting at the feet of the what is it the Oracle, Oracle of Omaha. Omaha. Warren Buffett uh, yeah. went for the Berkshire Hathaway yeah. AGM, yeah. which was yeah interesting. Yeah, actually, there's a lot. It's a lot more than the AGM. It's yeah. there's a whole like a week of festivities, if you like, and right. conferences and lunches, right. and it was full, it's full on. And yeah. how, how is Warren and Charlie? Uh, going, going strong. Warren, Warren rambled a bit. You know, right. he used to be, you know, more... Charlie's just as sharp as he always was right. with about a one-second delay. Right. Oh. To give you time to think about what he's going right. to say. He's so fast. Well, he's in his 90s. He's 98. Oh. And Mung is... Uh, but Ch- uh, Warren's 91. Wow. Uh, but they're still going They're still going strong, and it was... You, you always learn stuff. It was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what an experience. That's fantastic. Um, let's take a look at the uh, five stocks we're going to cover in this half hour. EBOS... CBA, Viva Energy, Step One, and Brambles. But thought we'd kick off with the stock of the day. Have a look at James Hardy, reaffirming its full-year guidance after reporting a 35% pop in annual profit thanks to strong demand for its fibre cement products in the North American housing market, with a 70 US cent special full-year dividend paid and a second-half dividend of 30 US cents a share declared. Shares tipping into the red in this morning's trade. Um, what do we think of, uh, uh, Scott, the, uh, the James Hardy update and, and the stock at these levels? Crusher, they couldn't have done much more in this update, can I say? Sales up 24%, profit up 73%. You say, well, what, what else, what else yeah. could you have wanted? What else could you have done? So a pretty good result. The share's up a little bit as a result. Uh, pretty, pretty workman product performance across the board. The key question, unfortunately, for businesses like James Hardy is trying to work out where we are in the economic cycle. Because if this yeah. boom continues, you can expect a whole lot more of that sort of result over the next coming months, years, potentially. If we're at the top or on the way down, then things are going to get better maybe for a long time before, sorry, worse for a long time, potentially before they get better again. Uh, so really, really strong result. You'd expect that in a booming US economy. So all of those things to the good. Um, pretty impressive too, given the cost inflation that plenty of businesses have been you know, been having, uh, to be able to get a 24% growth in revenue and a pretty good bottom line number. Probably a lot of cost control there, maybe some one-offs too. So be a little bit careful with extrapolating the bottom line. Uh, but you can't fault the result. A really, really strong result. Trading at 19 times earnings though for a cyclical business. I'm not entirely sure now is the right time to be buying James Hardy shares, unless you believe the boom has a, a decent way to go and potentially can go a decent way higher. I don't want to make that bet. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily run out to sell it, but I probably would have owned it in the first place. I think there are better building materials companies out there. Uh, but you, as I said, you can't fault the result today. Yeah. Um, Mark, what do you think? This time last week it was CSR with a pretty similar uh, result and a pretty similar chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's true. And I, I sort of concur to what uh, Scott said. And it really does come back to your view of the uh, market because in the US, the typical house construction over there is uh, uh, panelling right. on the outside. So like yeah. Hardy, the, the boards, yeah. that's, that's br- how they build not them. Not bricks, is it? No, no. And part of that's to do with earthquakes, depending 
know where you live and so on. So the, east, yeah. the, west, the west coast, they tend not to use a lot of brick because they yeah. come down and squish you right. if you have a big earthquake. Anyway, right. yeah. uh, so I think that's true. And the, the, earning, the earnings have spiked up, and that's good because they are converting the, uh, the opportunity and the growth in the market. But if you look at the forward uh, commitment of what's being, what's being built over the next couple of years, there's an enormous pipeline. So I think they've probably got a couple of years left. Uh, but look, mm. who knows? You know, we're in a very, yeah. very volatile uh, world. The US is way, way behind on uh, available uh, single, per- single uh, house residences and so on. So there's a real lag in, uh, or there's massive de- pent-up demand. So I, I, don't, I can't imagine that going. They're also used heavily in, con- in commercial construction. There's a lot of that going on. Right. We saw it everywhere. So look, I think Scott's right. The, from a cycle point of view, if you're trying to be time it, uh, it's probably might be a bit late. But we're showing it returning. It's another way of looking at it. About 10% a year on our default metrics, if they can maintain uh, a good growth rate. And their growth rate, by the way, I'm not talking about last years. Yeah. Their, their average has been 6% a year over the last uh, 10 years. That's about the average, which is not bad. Right. So if they can maintain that, you'll get about 10% return. But it's not franked. Right. And they pay out a very they pay out all the earnings effectively. So right. it's a very high uh, right. dividend, dividend percentage-wise. So, yeah. look, I, I think it's all right. Um, it's not something I get excited about personally. Right. You wouldn't buy it at these levels? No. Right. no. Okay. Not for me. All right. Uh, and there's all the great fear of um, America going into recession, um, interest rates. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, uh, well, a lot of uncertainty. I think, I think the inflation that. stuff's interesting. It's worth talking more about that when we have time. Yeah. Because it's like a lot of these companies, like using James Hardy as an example, is if they've got good management, the, the inflation can go straight through. It doesn't necessarily yeah. hurt them. Yeah. It hurts them when they don't. Yeah. They can't, they they can't, can't send on. on the but also what it does is it increases the prices. Yeah. And if they're working on a margin yeah. argument, it actually increases their profit. Right. So, so even, even though it's a nominal increase in profit yeah. rather than real, uh, that's how the market will value it. As long as customers can pay the increase and you can pass it on. Exactly. That's the big issue. Yeah. Alright, uh, Mark Fraser wants a view on EBOS, the uh, marketer, wholesaler, distributor of healthcare, medical and pharmaceutical products. I own uh, Terry White, uh, Chemmart, Symbian, a lot of other healthcare services. Uh, they're also in animal care brands as well. What do you think of EBOS? Um, it's it's not a business that uh, we've ever really uh, studied. It's, it's, yeah. it's okay. Um, it's it's complicated business, yeah. I, w- I would call it. Yeah. Pharmaceuticals is a different area, a difficult area yeah. to make money. For, for a start, it's regulated, you know, yeah. pricing and so on. And that can be good and bad. Yeah. It's a moat in a way if you're inside it and so on. But there's a lot of competition, and they're not the profit margin. To give an example is two uh, percent. So it's very very wow. narrow margins. Yeah. Now as so long you've got as you got big volume, well, you got big volumes, and you've got to be very careful with your costs and so on. Uh, it's an okay business. Uh, we're showing it returning about 4% a year at the at the current price. The PE is quite high at the moment. It's on a uh, 29 PE, which for that company is at the top of the red, you know, on, on its right. range. And it need to go down to about 22 to be in the um, in the green. Uh, if you wanted a 10% return on it, um, you wouldn't be able to pay more than, oops, I've lost it. Uh, actually, I can't even give you that one second. I've got to reset something. Yep. Um, so, so it's not for a, you. No. Yep. It's okay, though. It's not bad company. Scott? Yeah, I like EBOS, the business has marked a good company. The earnings have been really stable in terms of you know, really stable growth, which has been very impressive. And what's a really, really tough market? I just <clears throat> like pharmaceutical wholesaling immensely uh, because there is an overcapacity, an engineered overcapacity, regulated overcapacity because of the community service obligations that some of these pharmaceutical wholesalers are paid to deliver. That is effectively, yep. you've got to be able to get almost any drug around the country in 24 hours. Wonderful for the taxpayer, wonderful for the patient. Um, not spectacular when it comes to the returns because you end up with excess capacity, half full warehouses, all that kind of stuff. So it's a real challenge. EBOS has bucked that so far. So full credit to them. If you can thrive in a, an otherwise really difficult market, you're doing very, very well. So I think that's a that's a pretty good starting point for these guys. And again, you 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 know you're entitled to to say they've done a very good job given where they've come from and got to. I, I do though because of that structure, 
uh, you've got to take half a uh, half a step aside from some of these businesses. I say, you know what? Even the best airline in the world is still an airline. Even the best pharmaceutical wholesaler in Australia is still a pharmaceutical wholesaler. Now, it's not just pharmaceuticals. It's, as Mark said, pet products. They do have some other retail brands. They've got some of their own brands, I think, or at least some controlled brands. Uh, so it's not it's not the world's best business. It's probably the better of the three between Sigma API and, uh, and EBOS. I dare say it's the better of the three. Certainly, the results have been better. They've been able to avoid most of that argy-bargy that Sigma and API seem yep. to go through every couple of years, retendering for chemist warehouse contract and other things. So don't mind it. Um, I don't want to pay 31 times earnings for it. So, you know, it's, it's that's, a, that's a premium valuation for a business that is not an industry that otherwise would usually justify it. One of those, a little bit of upside, potentially very large downside, but not the sort of bets I'd rather make given the choice. Okay. All right. Still using the word premium. Uh, Alex wants a view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, <laughs> on um, our premium bank, uh, CBA, the biggest of the, the big four. Um, mm. uh, what do you think of CBA in a rising interest rate This is a tough one, Koshi. Yeah, that's the key thing, right? Because we know the rising interest rates do two things. Firstly, they tend to, historically at least, improve the bank's net margins. Banks have been suffering for from probably, I think, a six or seven years straight, I think, as an industry of falling net margins. And very, very hard. When your margins are so low already, you lose a couple of basis points of margin. That has a real impact on your bottom line. You try and make up for it the volume. You try and cut costs. You try and find other ways, frankly, fee, <laughs> fees to, to make up some of that lost business. And the banks have done reasonably well over the past few years doing exactly that. But so, so as a result, hopefully rising rates gives them some more gap, if you're a bank shareholder at least, not if you're a customer, uh, to increase that net margin. On the flip side, rising rates probably puts more Australians under some degree of mortgage stress, probably increases defaults, probably increases, um, uh, you know, um, uh, loans that are, that are basically under under duress. I can't remember the name. I've lost it again. Uh, so it's a, it's a challenging part of the cycle to try and think through when we're turning. If we, if we draw this, this picture historically looking back three or four years' time, this will be the point at which the cycle for banks turned when it comes to margins and prices. What you don't yet know is how much margin can they get in a competitive environment? How bad does housing stress get? And that's, I think, going to be the, the really difficult question. Last one for me on, on banks generally and CBA in particular, housing prices grew 24% last year yep. and banks managed really, really anemic profit growth if you take out the right backs of a whole lot of provisions. So they, they made high profit growth numbers, reported numbers, because they got to basically put back all the hollow logs they'd filled in in 2020 <laughs> because they had some concerns about what was going to happen with the housing market. It was the right yep. thing to do in 2020, writing it back, the right thing to do in 2021, but it makes them look obscenely profitable. Fast forward to now, we saw in the last couple of weeks, the bank's profits were up a couple, you know, fractions of a percent, less than grocery growth, which is saying something. Um, revenue was pretty much flat. Costs were kind of the difference. This is not a banking sector that seems to be firing on all cylinders going into a period where, as I said, on the upside, bigger net margins. On the downside, more housing stress, more mortgage stress, more delinquencies. Uh, I don't know, mate, at 21 times earnings, more than I would want to pay for CBA. It is the premier of the big four banks, though, if mortgage stress comes to define the next three or four years, having the biggest mortgage book in the country won't be the benefit it's been. It'll actually be a drag for that business. I'm not threat. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not predicting that. Uh, but I, there are there are better times and better prices to be buying bank shares. I very much doubt CBA beats the market over the next five years from here. Mm. Uh, Mark, uh, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it's it's uh, it is the best of the uh, the big four banks, and yep. it's been best returns over time. But the PE is the problem. Uh, Twenty one times um, earnings, and if you look at the earnings over the last decade, they've been pretty flat. Their return on equity is declining, and it's as Scott uh, explained, it's to do with uh, reduced margins and their competitive pressures. But yep. even with these massive uplift we've had in real estate, we've been in real boom yep. over yep. COVID. They really haven't converted it into a much more revenue, which is not encouraging yeah. but the problem is their PE is so high it's in but the red rates have been so low though yeah but, but there's more volume going on there's more right. transactions you know you think that there's uh, they should be able to do better in that even yeah. even in the competitive environment but look they they the PE is just too high it's in the red and for banks because the earnings because the earnings are so flat and I don't think there's much prospect of them getting a lot better because right. I think if rates do go up a lot uh, yes they will be able to get increase their margin on uh, mortgages but then, then you hit all the de- de- fault issues and that could easily overpower any increase of profit.
profit they were getting very yeah. easily. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. And there's plenty of plenty of potential risk coming forward. So it's like we're at the top of the just yeah. about the top of the cycle of stability. Now you wonder how it can get a lot better from here. But look, right. I've been wrong on this. Okay, on this. Are they still a dividend play? Uh, they, well, they are. They're paying they're paying a uh, dividend and they're paying out about about seventy percent. It's gone down a bit from what it was, and they were about eighty four percent. They're down to about right. seventy two. Yeah. Uh, so they are paying out uh, a frank dividend. Yeah. Uh, I'm more concerned with um, capital loss, though. Right. You know, so it's one thing to get a good dividend, but if you if the yeah. share price is then going down and there's no real prospect for that improving, or you don't expect it to, yeah. it's a bit of a fool's investment. You know, you're yeah. getting paid and losing. Take, get it with one hand and lose it with the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be interested. In it. I mean, banks historically, whenever you can buy the big four banks at sort of a P of ten or thereabouts, oh, well. you know, then then they well, usually then. usually do really well. But this is way off ten. This double. is double. It's yeah. those double. So. Yeah. We, this is, and it's in the red. It's, yeah. it's at the top, of, right in the high end of right. its range, okay. which if it had good EPS growth and we were in a good environment and uh, you were confident uh, it comes to a lot. We chose that word confidence again. <laughs> we're about being confident about the US. We're confident about our housing market not rolling over. But if rates yeah. do go up, five yeah. percent or something, or six yeah. percent yeah. uh, reserve bank rate, this could be yeah. a big problem. Well, uh, but Matt Coleman has come out and said. He, he thinks the top of the official interest rate cycle is going to be one and a quarter percent, one and a half, yeah. way below what, what the US is saying. Else, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and if that's thinking. true, we're probably fine. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Alex. Uh, next one, Mark. Uh, Jenny wants a view on Viva Energy. Uh, they basically own all of the Shell service station, 1,200 sites um, around Australia. Uh, not only uh, service stations, but also the convenience stores attached to them. Uh, Jenny says, I'm bullish on Viva Energy after their results. Mark Mullen, are you bullish? No. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry, Jenny. Well, we can't. <laughs> that was a bit hard. That makes well, you asked me. No. <laughs> um, look, it's 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 a. Um, I mean, in one hand, it's a bit like a REIT, yeah, <laughs> you know, with all yeah, the property yeah. and so on. Uh, fuel. Anyway. The, the reason I'm uh, not bullish on it is that its, it's uh, EPS growth rate has been 1.4% over the last six years average. And they had a big jump up off a very, very low base. They made a loss in 220 okay. and then they've jumped up from there. The sales have been fairly flat. Okay. So it's just not, they don't have any earnings growth. And then, so you're going to say, well, why would I pay? Um, uh, and I don't actually, I can see, where's the P ratio on this? Uh, P ratio, uh, power ratio, P ratio is uh, currently uh, 15.5, lows 10, highs 15.9 right. on its range yep. over the last few years. So it's at the high end of its P range. Look, it's, it's, it's not. There's nothing scary about it from our numbers. Uh, return on capital and so on is below our minimum, and the stability of earnings fails for us, which right. we put a lot of weight on uh, how stable a company's earnings are because it yep. goes to predictability. Yep. And when it's like this seesawing, I go, well, how do I know what's going to yep. be next time? Is it going to be up or down? Okay. Right? Uh, returning 6% a year at the current price on our models and negative 3 on a margin of safety. So as soon as you, and it gets heavily discounted on a margin of safety because of the instability. All right. But then, Scott, look at that chart. Share price, mm -hmm. three-year high. Everyone thinking, oh, energy, oil prices <laughs> going up, petrol prices going up. This should lead to better mm -hmm. returns from Viva. Does that, does that compute or not? It does if you extrapolate. Those extrapolations are right, Koshi. And this is this is why the instability that Mark mentioned. This is why it's such a challenge, because if you think through what that means for the business, these things have to not only continue at the same levels but go higher for returns to get better. So yeah. we're looking backwards. Um, it reminds me of uh, well, let's mention Warren Buffett again because why not? Um, the, uh, the the US or the global markets have lost 16 trillion dollars of market value since the recent peak to now, which feels like a lot. So that's the headline, that's what gets reported a lot. And then you see the Wall Street Journal uh, story saying, Warren Buffett spent the last couple of months buying stocks. And that's kind of the story, right? The headline of here's what's been happening versus here's what's going to happen. Now we're talking about a decline, then possibly a recovery, I expect so, but we'll see. Viva is the reverse. We're looking at a graph that's done really, really well because the oil price is so high and saying, so if it continues, and that's the thing, I, I call if uh, the largest small world word in the English language, right? Because there's a tiny little two-letter word, but everything hinges on that. If it continues to go up, Viva will do remarkably well. If the oil price comes way back down, 
they will do remarkably badly. And our job as investors is to say, how likely is that? Or maybe, I don't know, and put it on the too hard pile. So for me, attempting to look at the macro and say, well, of course, oil must go X. And half our viewers are saying, of course, oil must keep going higher because look at the war in Ukraine, look at Russia. The other half are saying, of course, it must go lower because these things mean revert. We've been through the cycles before. We know what's happening. There'll be more supply comes on stream. We're not running out of oil. Just a question of whether we can get to it, how much it costs, and of course, as well, what's replaced by renewables, EVs in particular, but renewables in general. That's the challenge of the market that we're stepping into. Right now, great time for thermal coal, great time for oil. Maybe they continue. I'm kind of a mean reversion kind of guy. Uh, the higher these things go or the lower they go, the more I expect them to recover. I bought some Fortescue shares in the middle of last year, basically because I went, hey, the iron ore price is really, really low right now. I don't like iron ore miners. I don't like iron ore generally. The iron ore prices look too low relative to the cost of production and the ongoing demand. My guess is that oil is towards the top of its likely range mm. over time. And if that's the case, then you would expect that again. But fast forward a year, three years, five years, 10 years, and say so there's going to be more highs and more lows set over the next 10 years. During that time, it's probably going to trade closer to the middle than the top or the bottom, or at least the average will be in the middle. That's maybe the bigger, the more important point. Yeah. Uh, so look, it's been a great run. Shell has done really, really well. I don't know now is the time I'd be jumping into an oil stock, um, hoping that there's more upside to come. Yeah. Again, think about iron ore at $140 a barrel, $140 a ton. Um, yeah. You know, was it likely to be sustained? $200 a ton. Was it likely to be sustained? Not really, and it wasn't. So if you're in it, would you worse. sell? I would actually, mate, not because I know this is the top, just because it's all yeah. about all about probability, right? Profit. So there's a possibility that, right, there's a possibility that that shares go higher, the oil price goes higher, and it's Murphy's Law. You kick yourself if you sell now, it goes higher, you go, oh, I knew I should have held on. If, it, yeah. if you sell now, it falls, you think you're a genius. Both are possible. I think if you were to weigh up the odds and set probabilities, if you were asking a bookie how they do this, you'd say, well, there's a chance it goes higher, uh, you know, in any two-horse race. You know, there's odds yeah. for the coalition, odds for Labor right now in the election. Any two-horse race, there's a price for both outcomes. I think the, the better odds are the price falls rather than goes higher. And given that potential, I'd be staying away from this one. Okay. All right. Maybe take some profits. All right. Next one. Uh, Kate wants a view on the bamboo undie people. Step one. Uh, only listed uh, back in November. Um, since November, it's IPO listing at $1.53. It's now down 85% and has got down new lows in the last week or so with the trading update that uh, didn't go so well. Um, Scott, I think the answer to this could be short and sharp. <laughs> It could, it could well be short and sharp. Hopefully not like the undies, mate, because uh, it could be painful. Look, as you say, mate, for 55%, I think, was that yesterday or Friday? Yesterday, yeah, um, yeah. On that, on that tra- yesterday, on that trading update, just, just a you know, huge, huge loss of value. These businesses are, are worth something, um, probably, if, they're, if they get massive long, long-term growth. Every, every consumer brand that started with nothing and becomes something started at this sort of level. Yep. Every brand that failed went through this sort of thing as well. Yeah, short and sharp. There's nothing to recommend step one. Doesn't mean the shares can't go higher. Maybe it's oversold. Maybe the market's so pessimistic right now that fair value is something above this price. Um, but that trading update was pretty awful. Uh, the the other thing, by the way, is capital is becoming much, much, much harder to come by. Um, the, there was a couple of uh, sale of you know, one hour, two hour grocery delivery businesses that basically yes. folded up in the last month because they shouldn't couldn't get capital anymore. And so if you're a disappointing business, a loss-making business, a cash flow uh, challenge in this sort of environment, the risks of owning these businesses have always been high. They've literally probably tripled in the past six months yeah. because of where rates have gone and the way capital providers are treating these businesses, which just means, you've, you know, again, whatever risk you thought you were taking six months ago, you're taking much, much yeah. more risk for exactly the same business, let alone one that's deteriorated like step one. Yeah, it just changed a, a lot, Mark. This wouldn't have come on your radar at TV. No, but I, 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 I do know it. Do, I do know it, and I think it's one of the single best reasons for not watching free-to-air television. Right. Yeah, those commercials, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, they're just horrible. All right, Yeah, yes. those guys jumping around, their undies, and it's yeah, like, I it, just, it doesn't work for me at all so we, uh, we, we can't see the ads on sunrise but i think they're a yeah yeah anyway and, and the other problem is they're losing five cents a share and as scott said the their the trading update they may be listed less than a year and they've gone straight down to a nine million dollar loss yeah and you go and then by the way that pricing now you're really saying that's priced for failure that's yeah. gone from three dollars fifty i think at the peak yeah, yeah. down to 21 cents or something two, two, 290 80 
did in November, yeah, down, down to 20, 21 cents. And you go, well, that's pretty scary. Yeah. I don't have any data to be able to draw any conclusions at yeah. all. So, yeah. But just that alone and based right. on the fact that yeah. they've been listed so for such a short period and have come out already with a bad trading report, and you go, well, that's... But even if they turn it around, the loss of trust in the market yeah. will take years to get back, won't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's, you remember, that's if, if something goes down 50%, it's got to go up 100% to get yeah. your money back. Yeah. When it goes down, anything that goes down 80 or 90%, usually you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. An right. exception was Amazon. I think Amazon went down yeah. 94% in the in 2000 and, uh, two, 2001 in the yeah. dot-com crash. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Went down, I think, $6.50 or something. Wow. That's an exception. Yeah. But that doesn't happen very often. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy wants a view, Mark, on Brambles, the uh, big logistics group uh, invented and owned the uh, chip pallet been in the news last couple of days what the hell's going on they got a private equity bid yeah out of the um, out of the blue that they have what, uh, what no. today they're, they're saying the deal's off are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was a twenty dollar, twenty billion dollar unsolicited bid yeah. from private equity. Yep. Now the why? Why would private equity want to buy a business like this? You think? Uh, boring, stable, and also probably fat. And right. they look at it and go, "We can make, we can streamline this business, cut out the fat, get the thing firing, and then yeah. relist it." That's that's right. basically the game plan. For more. And yep. I think they're probably right. Yeah. Uh, so the okay. so the listing is so the uh, capitalisation of the company is about sixteen billion. So it was a pretty big premium anyway. So did yep. they actually pull it or? Did Bramble say no that it didn't uh, represent value I or something? I think they pulled it. Okay. Um. Um, trouble is, the earnings are very flat, negative 1.8% a year with high stability. In other words, if I look at 10 years of earnings, they've gone from sort of 30, 41, uh, 41 cents to 48 cents in 10 years. Yeah. So And pretty consistent. So it's a consistent yep. business, but flat earnings. Uh, P-E ratio at the moment is currently 24 right. for negative 1.8% EPS growth. Sales have been growing at less than 1% a year over the last six years yep. uh, with good stability as well. So this is a stable business going nowhere yeah so stable businesses going nowhere can be good investments if they pay a good dividend, good dividend. and yeah. you Defensive can buy them stock. you can buy them at a price that means that dividends giving you the return so you, right. you want to get all your return uh, out of the dividend right you're not looking at capital growth yeah. here right yeah. well it hasn't been there before so you yeah. question why it would be there uh, in the next five years um, so too expensive we're showing negative return of about one percent a year at the current price the dividend would need to be to get a ten percent return on brambles you wouldn't be able to pay more than six dollars ninety two and it's yeah. currently eleven sixty yeah yeah so um, yeah, that's not impossible. No. Then, then you can say, well, this is a reliable business. Yeah. That uh, it's got a very, very stable history, and if you buy it at the right price, then you can get a good okay. return. All right. Um, Scott, why would a private equity group do an unsolicited bid one day, twenty billion dollars, and then pull mm -hmm. it today and blame the market volatility? <laughs> so market volatility. Hasn't changed for a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like a CEO resigning for personal reasons. That you got it's that catch-all, like, oh, sorry guys, too yeah. volatile. I I have a sneaking suspicion that they wanted to be able to conduct this due diligence without uh, being exposed with you know do it effectively uh, under cover of darkness. Not 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 inappropriately. Let me be really really clear. No. Nothing inappropriate about it. But they've said to Brambles, hey, look, can we have a chat about this because maybe there's something there. Brambles says, cool, yeah, let's chat. By the way, everybody else, they're having a yeah. look. Come and have a look too, see if we can get a better bid. Well, that's part of the continuous disclosure too, is it? Oh, totally. Yeah. Not, to the nothing market. wrong with it. But, but I think that's and that, but that's why as a result. Right. I said early Tuesday, my guess is overnight, our time they've gone, nah, if, if, you, if you guys are out shopping this thing, we're going to walk away. Right. And so, you know, I think that's... It, it's a continuous disclosure is really hard, Koshi. Like, the number of unsolicited, non-binding, highly conditional takeovers that get reported these days, it's appropriate on one level. On the other hand... I wonder how many boards go, beauty, <laughs> there's, there's someone sniffing around, let's announce it to yeah. the market, see if we can get the share price to pop a little bit. Uh, so that's what happened. Um, it's gone back down most of the way today, interestingly enough. So yeah. the market seems to not believe there's a second or third bidder potentially yeah. sniffing around. That might still be wrong. So there's an open question as to what you want to do next as a shareholder. And this is really, really tough, right? Because again, it's one of those things where if you're selling, it goes ahead, you feel like you missed out. If you yeah. hold, it doesn't go ahead, the share price drops and you feel like you missed out. And so yesterday, if you'd have bought Brambles on Friday afternoon, sold it like yesterday, 
afternoon, made a quick 11%. If you bought it yesterday on Takeover Talk, sold it this morning, you're off 7%. Um, and again, think about the dollar value of these takeovers. It's a lot of money sloshing around that someone's making and losing on the on the back of an announcement. So yeah, look, that's probably why they walked away. Be my guess, massive speculation. But that's my guess. Yeah. They simply didn't want to be involved in a in a bidding war. They were happy to yeah. kind of go and have a look, have a quiet look, and then make an offer. And they're not in that position yet. It's a tough business, Brambles. Uh, Mark's right, and Peter love this stuff because you use someone else's money, you get a fantastic cash flow, you leave the hell out of it and try and relist it or sell it to somebody else. It, it's straight out of the Barbarians at the Gate playbook, literally take over 101 from private equity. And good luck to them if they get away with it, that's, that's great. Um, but when you're not using someone else's money, then Mark has, has, is right. You go back to, then what am I going to get? If I don't own this outright, I can't change the capital structure. I can't lever it up. I can't take all the cash flows. I'm stuck with the dividends. So then what's it worth to me? Um, Yeah, look, 20-odd times earnings for a no-growth business is a very, very, very (laughs) tough price to pay. Uh, There's still quite a bit of, of, uh, I think, premium in the market for these kind of stocks, by the way. The the 20-plus times earnings for so-called safe, safe, stable, let me spit that out, businesses, it's, it's too much to pay. There's a lot of overs being offered now for some sort of stability. Brambles is one of those businesses. So, you know, do I blame someone for saying, like, given the last couple of years, I'd like some stability, please? I don't yeah. really. But at this sort of price, if and when the market remembers that this is a no-growth business, 20-plus times earnings is going to be a hard multiple to justify, I think, without it having that private equity ability to leverage it up. So, yeah. no, too, too expensive for me. And frankly, you want it probably a third, to, or maybe a quarter to a third cheaper before you even start looking at this as a, as a, as a good market-beating return opportunity. Okay. All right. Uh, let's recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day included a no for James Hardy, EBOS a no, uh, CBA a no, Viva a no, take some profits. Um, Scott would be doing um, on BB. Had a really good run. Uh, step one is a bit of a worry at the moment. And uh, Brambles a no. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own uh, fantasy portfolio as picked by our investment committee. You can take a look at the latest investment committee meeting, uh, latest episode on osbiz.com. Let's see uh, what was recently added to the portfolio. Tabcorp, Domino's, Arden Leisure and Tyro. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experience traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, we're taking a look at Medibank, Nearmap, Calix, Hum and Centre Group. Uh, Scott Mitchell wants a view on Medibank, the uh, the big private insurance group, mm. health insurance. Health insurance is a really, really bad industry, Koshi. It's it structurally it structurally sucks. Not not only for the usual reasons the industry suck, where the, where the competition is just too tough and returns on equity are hard to come by. This is an industry where literally the federal government of what I whatever stripe, not not a political thing, it's a structural thing, determines how much money you can make as a as a margin. And in that sort of environment, when you're working in a fixed margin business, you've got to ask yourself, what am, I, what am I here for? So here's the thing. Every year, the federal health minister tells them how much they can get as a premium increase if they're to retain yep. the federal government's 30% kicking on private health insurance. What that means, and, and if you're a federal health minister, the last thing you want to do is be the guy or girl responsible for telling Australians that I'm the one authorising you to pay more for your uh, for your private health insurance. Imagine them getting up saying, I'm signing off on the petrol price. You know, it's, it's just a horrible thing for the government to do. They never want to do it. They have to make this decision and say, well, okay, we know you've got to have something to cover your rising costs. We get it. We get there's a cost of capital. We get you have to be able to make a margin to stay in business. But we're going to give you so much that we look like we're taking the public for a ride because we're going to wear the political pain, not you guys. So think that through. If you're a health insurer and you save money, you, you manage to make a bit more margin because you manage your costs better. You manage to get better economies of scale, you put you want to put your prices up. The health minister says, well, hang on, you're already making enough money. Why would I give you an even bigger price increase? So it's one of those situations where the better the, the, the better you are running your business, the less credit you're going to get. In fact, you're going to have credit taken off you by the person who's setting your prices who's already making yeah. a lot of money. So how do you make money? Firstly, you get policy growth. That's the first thing. Secondly, you do what NIB's done. You find growth elsewhere. So NIB's literally put money 
everywhere else other than private health insurance. Of course, they're still growing that business, but they're trying to do everything else to say, where are some unregulated returns where we can actually get better returns on our capital than the Australian health insurance business. Medibank doesn't have that part of its business. So it is in a really, really structurally challenged industry, a, regular, a regulatory challenge industry. That's an awful place to be. 20 times earnings, maybe at 13 times earnings, 14 times earnings, it gets attractive enough because as Mark said, you know, you're know, almost, you almost living off the cash flow rather than any sort of growth. <laughs> I don't think Medibank to grow anytime soon, meaningfully and not sustainably. Maybe a couple of, you know, sometimes it gets a, yeah. a couple of extra bits of uh, either policy growth or maybe a bit of extra margin. That's not going to continue to be the case. So, look, no, not not cheap enough for me. Yeah. At a cheaper price, maybe for the income, maybe the stability, but not at 20 times earnings. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what do you think of Medibank? Uh, uh, it's a same. Com- complex business. Yeah, but- it, it's, it's, it is a difficult area. I don't like uh, government-regulated uh, industries full stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... NIB, as uh, Scott mentioned, is our uh, NHF, is our preferred player. Now, the trouble with Medibank, it's actually got negative 2% EPS growth. So it's been right. flat to negative. Yeah. Uh, a tough, you know, controlled environment, but very stable, of course, not going to go broke. Um, we've got a buy price on it. And I say, when I say buy, just constant investors' price, not yeah. team investors wanting to buy yeah. it, yeah. Uh, $2.24 right. to get 10% return. Right. It comes back to that point we discussed before with Brambles. You know, it's so stable, so yeah. therefore, I could, you can't pay. PE of 20. Yep. It needs to be a PE of like 10, 11, 12, 13, something like that. And 224 is about a third below where it is now. We'll give you 20, tw- uh, give you 10%. At the moment, we're showing it returning about uh, 2% on default and negative 1% okay. on a margin of safety. So uh, this is this is a problem. These, these high PEs are a real problem because yeah. it's not very, you can't use a relative approach and say, oh, well, everything's that price, therefore that's what I've got to pay. At the end of the day, they can all revert to mean, particularly yeah. if, as interest rates are going up. So we have cash prices, cash returns starting to come back into play. And as that happens, then these PEs like this will plummet because you're not getting the returns. Yep. So if I can only get a 2% return on uh, Medibank, then, and I get, but I get 2% at the bank, yeah. suddenly the bank What's is looking better. So this needs to be four, which means the PE needs to halve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the relationship. Yeah. It's yeah. not linear like that. No. But I think the risk is all to the downside on these high PEs. So I don't mind paying 20 PE, but they've got to have decent growth. Risk reward. It's got to be, it's, it's all about probability. Yeah. So what we want to have is we want companies that have solid earnings growth, yeah. no matter what industry they're in. Okay. And if they've got solid earnings growth and you believe they can keep doing that for another five years, I can start going, okay, well, then therefore at this dollar price of all this P, what am I, what's my return going to be? Yeah. I don't okay. like fishing in these uh, no growth businesses at all. All right. Well, Aaron wants to know, would you fish in Nearmap? Uh, growth business, the aerial uh, imaging technology business, uh, uh, government customers in Australia, United States, Canada and New Zealand, um, used by real estate industry, uh, local councils for yeah. mapping and that sort of thing. This, this was a business that I remember we looked at it years ago. High and, flyer. It, and it actually had, a, I think I might have even owned it once you know, a long right. time ago, but it was, I've got 10 years history here. Right. And the problem is they always had a good story and it sounded like a sexy business. Yep. They've got all these clients, as you said, but they don't yep. make any money. Yep. So, so you look at it now, they've gone, their earnings sort of declined from 2013 down to 220, where they bottomed out and losing eight cents a, uh, a share. And then they, they've jumped up in the last year. So they've had a, the earnings are still negative four, uh, they're negative four, negative four cents a share now. So there's still no profits. Overall, the return on equity is negative 13, which basically means they're losing 13% of their capital yep. a year. I don't know how to do anything with this business. Yep. Because you'd have to be saying, what's the story now? Now we've had 10 years of stories. And do I do I believe that story and therefore want to speculate on buying it and hoping I'm going to get this some big return? Yep. But I have no basis to be able to give any okay. intelligent comment on it. But if you look at the 12-month graph, um, uh, Scott, back at the end of March, I think it was <laughs> a trading update or they had some new mm. contracts, had a, had a blip up, there you go, and then it's trended back down again. Yeah, and that trend down, you can almost overlay the entire tech sector, Koshi. And this is oh, fascinating. Right. I, I got to say, it's worth. It's again a bit like inflation, as Mark was saying earlier. There's there's a conversation to be had about the, the tech or even just growth stocks in general. 
On one hand, there's a very reasonable reason for this. The time value of money, which is a very boring concept for, for a lunch program, uh, the time value of money means the further out your profits are, the higher interest rates are, the less you want to pay for that. If you offer me $100 in a day's yep. time, I'll give you $99.50. Offer me $100 in 15 years' time, I might give you 40 bucks if, you, if you're lucky because I've got to wait for that money. Time has value, we know that. The, the higher rates go, and frankly, the higher inflation is as well, the worse or the, the less those future profits are worth from any non-profitable tech or growth business. And so that's this, there's this massive, massive, massive dead weight sitting on the shoulders of all of these businesses. In the fullness of time, we'll know whether that was justified or whether the market was overreacting. More likely, there'll be the winners and losers from this group, those that never managed to climb out from under that, and those that did remarkably well despite that, almost like Marks99.com crash uh, kind of you know analogy with Amazon so that that's why they're falling and that's an opportunity for investors if you can find the right business with good fundamentals good cash flow Mark's question is right I actually like Nimat uh, but he's absolutely right about the question of how much do you believe do you believe the story can they do it they've managed to create a really great Australian based business and they're trying to parlay that into US growth they're plowing back all that profit so if you take a sum of the parts view you say I've got a profitable, stable, you know, really nice cash generative business in Australia. I'm either investing that cleverly or wasting a lot of it trying to grow in the US and be successful over there. If they can get the sort of scale and, and opportunity in the US they've got here, they're off to the race and they're worth a much, much more. And that is the bull case of the story. That's the $4 share price we saw on the graph before, if you believe yeah. all that, that's where they're going. If they can't, if they can never get out from under this um, uh, you know, growth spending, it never quite pays off. We saw Zero, for example, spend quite a few years really struggling mm. for investor confidence because they tried to go to the US, didn't really make it work, had to pull their horns in, didn't exactly withdraw, but pretty much right-size their investment, to use the euphemism, uh, and, and that you know, just kind of gave up on that market. If Nearmap can succeed in the US, it is worth a lot more than today's price. If it can't, it's probably worth less than today's price. And so you really have got a, it's relatively binary, back to our probability conversation before. If they can't, they're probably decent value if they stop wasting that money. If they were just an Australian-based business, profitable, cash flow positive, a nice return, current share price, probably not miles away from what you actually pay for the Australian business alone. But in the meantime, they're going to go and spend a whole lot of money in the US and actually erode the Australian business's value in hopes they can get that growth in the States. It is a buy for me. It's, it's, a, it's a much riskier one than I would usually go for because I think they are showing that traction. But it absolutely mm. comes down to scale in the US. If they can't get over that bump, they will have wasted millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in a, in a forlorn hope, and a, a, you know, a wasted effort. If they can, you look back and go, Gee, it was worth going through that period of uncertainty because look how much they've been able okay. to create in value in the US. So you got a spec buy on it? I think so, yeah. I don't, I don't tend to speculate generally. It's definitely a high risk buy for sure. Right, okay. All right. Uh, George wants to view Scott on the environmental tech company Calix. Uh, it's all about sort of carbon capture and in the cement industry. Um, recently bore... Um, got uh, a government grant to uh, um, uh, for one of its projects going forward. It's in that real ESG sort of sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This is And this is one of those ones where you look at it and say, look, they're on the side of the angels. We all hope they can do some really great things and save us from environmental damage and all that kind of stuff. That That's the, you know, if, if they can be a bit like Tesla, right? Like, I don't love Elon Musk. I don't particularly like the guy. But if he manages to convince the world's car makers to use EVs rather than internal combustion engines and save a whole lot of pollution, then hey, you know, good, good on him and good luck to him. Doesn't mean I'm going to invest in his company. Calix is kind of the same. You know, a billion dollar valuation for a company that is not yet making any money yeah. is a very, very high price. We're talking about Nearmap, but at, at, you know, a couple hundred billion dollars, I think, from memory. Uh, and then Calix is a billion dollars. Yes, they've got some grants. Yes, they've got some contracts. Hopes and dreams, thoughts and prayers. Um, you hope they can do really, really well. Their, their top line is growing quite nicely. And on a per share basis, um, top line is going through the roof. So you, you kind of be, you'd be happy about that, generally speaking. That being said, last year, 13 cents a share in sales, $7 per share is the share price. I, I kind of do the maths in my head, but call it, what is it, 300, 400 times um, time sales. It, it's all about the future. There is a lot riding on this one. At least Nearmap is selling stuff, 
It's profitable yeah. in one part of its market. We know what the structure looks like. Calyx is just hoping desperately. And look, I would love them to be successful, Koshi. I would, I, you know, if, if, they're, if I'm wrong about this and they end up making a whole lot of money for a whole lot of people, then, hey, they've done some good things to the environment. If they're making money at some point, that means they've been successful yeah. and everyone's happy. Um, uh, a bit like Musk, right? If, if, Musk, if Musk wins, uh, then we've saved the planet. I don't make any money. That's fine. Because if he loses, at least I haven't invested in his company and I've got, I've got something to show for it. So yeah. um, I'll take a bit each way and say, give Calyx a miss, uh, but give them their best wishes. Okay. Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think the other thing, I, I, I didn't know of the company. I looked it up and looked, listened to their, what they said about the company. And it, it, they said that they were specialising in all these different things, environmental water, how they deal with water, odours, that it went into uh, uh, batteries. They're doing cathode technology development on using it. Then it went into food. And it's like, you get real. Yeah. You know, I, I go BS when I see that sort of thing. That's like saying we're a little company, we're starting up, but we're doing everything. We do all. We're an expert in everything. They are all different things. Yeah, I would have been. Would have been more plausible in my mind if they were focused on water or you know one thing and like yep. do that well. To me, yep. it sounded like you know uh, green, green. What's that called? Green. When you paint things green to try and look like you're. Oh, what's that called? Greenwashing. Yeah, yeah. Greenwashing. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah. That's, I may be totally wrong, but that was the <laughs> impression I got. So right. and and the the fact that they've got 13 cents in top line revenue on um, seven dollar share prices is clearly <laughs> yeah. absurd. Yeah, the, okay. the chance of them with anything that's not a clear model even like that to be able to hit so much to make so much money that would give shareholders a decent return I think is pretty yeah. fanciful okay alright Simon wants a view Mark on Hum Group the old uh, Flexi Group change yeah. their name yeah. to be a bit more sexy went into uh, buy now pay later yeah. um, uh, now that consumer part of it, buy now, pay later, I think is under takeover from Latitude. Yeah. Uh, Simon's worried that hum shareholders really aren't going to get much of a, of a return because yeah. um, a lot of the takeover is in Latitude shares and what's it going to be left with? Yeah, and no, I agree. And uh, basically, uh, you, you look at it and it looks to me like Latitude's buying it at a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bargain price. And I go, what can yeah. you say? I mean, that's not good luck for latitude, yeah. bad luck for shareholders. Yeah. There's not much you can do about it. I don't know if there's no. really... Uh, but that's how it looks to me. It looks like it would be a very, very good buy for latitude. Okay. But for a hum shareholder... Well, what, what can you do? Yeah, yeah, you just stack it yeah. and don't get involved. Uh, if you're not a shareholder, Scott... <laughs> Oh, this is so. This one should be worth a fortune. This is one of those challenges where, you, as an investor, you look at that and go, "Is this value or value trap?" And Mark's made his views quite clear, and I think I probably end up in the same space. But you look at the you look at the earnings of this business, and and you know you pay a squillion dollars for afterpay that's not making any money, a squillion dollars for Zip, although a lot less now. Says all on the others. Look at Paul Hum and say, other not being sexy enough, what's it actually done wrong? Which is not to say it's a great business, but it was actually making some money, you know. And you think, well, what what are you, what is the market looking for? This is the sort of business ordinarily if you're a value hunter you'd say here's some hidden value the market hasn't realized it yet it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. this will continue to make me some money and when it does i'll do okay except you've waited a long time with that exact view we had as a recommendation under the old flexi group for ages we, we moved it to a hold based on that on that on that basis thinking surely this is worth more than the current market price um, yeah. To quote Leslie Nielsen, stop calling me Shirley because it really does. It takes a very long time just to kind of play out. <laughs> and you really look at that and say, well, what, what's actually, what, you know, what, what does the market want? If I was a private equity buyer, I'd probably buy the thing because you're buying it at a pretty cheap price, again, depending on let, debt and other things. It's one of those things where if you own the whole thing, you'd be probably very happy with the income cash flow from it. But if you're waiting for the market to re rate it, you can wait a very, very, very long time. So, uh, you know, I. On the, on the fundamental loan, you should make it a buy. I think I may have even said so in the past. Um, but as you say, that the fact they're splitting this up, kind of trying to sell off the parts, trying to desperately to find some value, I'm far from convinced this is a, uh, you know, a long-term listed company in one form or another. If they're lucky, they get a buy out of the rest of the business. Maybe they manage to get the market excited at some point. They're kind of too small, too much... Um, uh, too much baggage, quite frankly. So I, yeah. I've got to give this one a miss, unfortunately. Um, and also, it's in the environment now. They always want to be part of buy now, pay later. Well, exactly. it's it's uh, a terrible place <laughs> no, to be. To. Yeah. I just looked at looking up <clears throat> zip shares, ninety three uh-huh. cents trading at at the moment. Uh, a year ago, they were nine bucks. Yeah. Nine terrible business. And this is this is the thing, Koshi. It's 
when, when things are going well, when the hot money is piling in, when everyone's yeah. excited about it, it creates its own oxygen. The, the, these, the, these fires yeah. create their own oxygen, which is great for a while. As soon as the worm turns, as soon as the investors get yeah. bored or they worry or there's too much negativity, they all bail out. When everyone bails out, what happens? You get what you've just described, the $9.93 outcome. Yeah. There's probably some value in some of these to somebody. I still think at some point, yeah, PayPal are offering it. Arthway is now owned by Block. These these programs aren't going away. No, there was never enough business. I think we had eight or nine listed buy now pay yeah. later options in the country. Yeah. I mean, really, like that. That's you know, yeah, investors serious. as a group are mad if you think yeah. all nine can do well. Maybe you got the right one. Maybe you bought Afterpay. Maybe you took the money rather than Block shares, and you're you're riding into the sunset. But if you bought Block shares, or if you took your Block shares, you're down even a decent decent way on that original takeover price yeah. too. By the way, no, so it hasn't spared anybody. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I think I think too because it's worth remembering if you go back to the 99 2000.com crash yeah. we, the market we're in now is very much like that before yeah. it happened in that we have massive valuations based on no profit yeah. uh, multiples of revenue it used to be models of eyeballs and then it was multiples yeah. of revenue remember yeah. and yeah. what happened all of the companies that basically didn't have proper business models and made money yeah. all went bust yeah. you know, thousands of them just right. vanished and then the ones that survived were the uh, Google's the Apple yeah. Amazon the ones that had proper businesses yeah. I see that as a big risk now for investors, you would be very careful investing in anything that is consistently been losing money, yeah. or particularly when it's some of the cases we've looked at today where it's quite extreme. Yeah. You know, where they're, they're, yeah. That reminds me of the kind of companies where you go to zero yeah. with those. So well, I can remember when, remember E Corp? Yeah. And had a valuation bigger than Woolworths at one stage. Mm. Uh, whereas E Corp now. It's like Tesla having a bigger valuation than the whole global market. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, automobile right. manufacturers. Weird. <laughs> right, we've got to quickly get through the last stop. Okay. We're running out of time. Uh, Linda wants a view, Mark, on Centre Group, the operator of all the Westfield shopping centres in Australia and New Zealand. Yes, yes. Um, Centre Group. Uh, from my, my perspective, pretty, uh, it's a pretty mediocre uh, business, right. and it's a business that arguably has got quite a few headwinds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the uh, with with what's going on post COVID as well. You know the how how they'll bounce back from occupancy yep. levels and so on. But if you look at their earnings over the years, I'm showing a negative eight percent over the yeah. last ten okay. years. So it's it's been struggling anyway, and then COVID has taken a hit yep. on COVID, which hasn't helped. Uh, PE is at the top of the green, which means it's in the bottom quartile, which on on 15, which for that company is not too bad. It doesn't have a big range, by the way. It's sort of 15 to 20. Uh, right. Yeah, 15 to 20 sort of uh, range. Okay. Uh, we're showing a returning negative 3% a year at the moment. And the reason is the uh, the earnings drop. Yeah. yeah, earnings are dropping. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to get a 10% return on it, right. we're showing you'd need, uh, you wouldn't want to pay more than $1.52, which is about uh, 40% like, down on yeah. where it is now. Uh, Scott, I always have a uh, view when the founders sell out, they yeah. do it for a Risk reason. And, <laughs> and the best time was uh, to get out was when the lowies got out. But anyhow, uh, what do you think of saying Yeah. That? <laughs> uh, look, I, I, do think, I do think founders sell for different reasons, but when the lowies literally exit stage left, that's unless yep. you're selling out a bit of their few of their shares, right? You see, uh, I mean, I always use the example, Marcus Blackmore sold some Blackmore shares to buy a yacht at $32, uh, left a fortune on the table. So you don't, they don't always get it right. Uh, no. And I'm a big fan of Marcus's, by the way. So, but yeah, when, when the lowies literally leave the stage, like, oh, we're out, we're done. Yep. You're going to think, well, do I want it? Do I want to be on the other side of that trade? Probably <laughs> not. The other thing is with property prices, or interest rates going to go up, property prices will continue to contract either in reality or frankly the rates they use, the capitalization rates they use to yeah. put the, assign the valuations, they'll continue to fall. Uh, so you've, you've really got nowhere to go on this one unless you want to see it all the way through. There are there are many, many worse retail properties, by the way, than Centre. So if yeah. you're going to go to any, the, the, Westfield, the Westfield properties are going to be in Australia the, the last ones to suffer in my view because they're destinations, they're massive regional hubs. You know, neighborhood shopping centers on one hand, you're always going to go there, convenient, easy. You know, the Woolies, the Big W and a couple of others. Or you're going to go to Westfield for the movies and the David Jones, the Myers or the specialty shops. The ones in between are the ones that are going to fall into the gulf in my view. Yeah. So I don't mind center as a business. I like it a lot. 14 times earnings isn't even particularly expensive, but at this point in the cycle, yeah. yeah. Um, if you want some retail, if you want some REITs, if, you, if you, that's your thing, I think Centre's a great option, uh, but I wouldn't be buying it if you're trying to beat the market from here. I think okay. it's really, really unlikely. 
Scott Phillips from Motley Fool, great to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Always fabulous to have you on board. Likewise, Mark Mullen from Team of S. Thank, Thank you. you kindly. Pleasure. Uh, just to recap, final five stocks, Medibank a no, near map a no from Mark, high risk buy from Scott, no for Calix, no for Hum, and a no for Centre Group as well. <laughs>